0: And you look around and you see what's on the table, what you gave. That's hope. You're meeting a need. You know, sometimes if we're you know, if we're uh, honest with ourselves, we want hope for ourselves. Sometimes we feel like this person. If you look up there at the right, just a little person jumping off a cliff. And there's that moment where you're flying through the air, you know, maybe it's after you've taken the new job and you've been there a week, or you decided to take a class and you saw the syllabus, or you found out you're pregnant and going to have a baby and you may feel just like that guy right there. You're flying through the air. You're not totally sure what's going to happen at the end of that fall. And sometimes at that moment, you start praying. God, help me. I hope everything's going to be okay. Okay. You know, there's certain endeavors where where you just have a confidence everything's going to work out. And then there's other times where you're just like, I hope it's going to be fine. I hope it's going to work out. I hope the decision I made was the right one. You know, the Bible talks a lot about hope and where to find it. And we're going to be over in Romans chapter 5. And Paul's talking to the church in Rome, and he says this, starting in verse 1 and 2. He says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And Paul was trying to direct the disciples, he was trying to direct God's people, and he said, let me tell you where the ultimate hope is. He says the ultimate hope is in the reconciliation that we have with our Father in heaven. He goes, now that's hope. He goes, that's what we boast about. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. He said, you want to be a man or woman of God? This is where your hope should be found. You know, the world will tell us, no, you've got to put your hope in money. And if you can get more money, then you're going to feel better about yourself. You need to be secure. You need to guarantee your security. For the future. And then once you can do that, then you'll feel better about yourself. Sometimes he says, No, it's in a relationship. If you can find that special someone, then you'll feel awesome about who you are. Paul didn't tell them to put their hope in any of those things. He said the problem with the relationship is there's a 100% chance that both people in that relationship are sinners. Notice I said both. The people that we care about the most are the ones that have caused us the most pain. And that will never change. You know, when strangers sin against us, we don't really care. We're not going to see them again. But it's when the people we love the most hurt us, then it matters. See, the problem with money, there's no certainty in money or Bitcoin or the stock market or a house. There's nothing that's guaranteed except hope in the glory of God. Say, how much work do you put into securing your hope in the glory of God? I love what Paul says. He goes, we boast in this. He goes, we're so fired up about it, we boast to other people. We go, oh, yeah, I got the hope in the glory of God. I am reconciled with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what I got. This is the Christian, that's what, that's what we boast in. You know, so often our hope gets misdirected. And we give our best energy, our best thought time our best emotions, into things where there's no guarantees. Paul directs the church where we need to direct our hearts. See ultimate hope, which is reconciliation with God. You know, he continues on, and he says uh, in verse 3 and 4, he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. I don't know how you feel about those verses, but I don't like that they're in there. I actually prefer to just kind of end that chapter there in verse 1 and 2. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We go, yes, we're so fired up to be a Christian, to be a man of God, to be a woman of God. I mean, we've got reconciliation. That's the ultimate hope. Isn't life awesome? And then right then, Paul remembers, hey, you know what? Some people may think, well, if we got the hope in the glory of God, that means every day is amazing. And Paul says, No, that's not the way it works. The ultimate hope is in the glory of God, not in this life, but in the next. And he says we're going to face all kinds of hardships. But that's all part of strengthening our hope. And this is point two. Hope is strengthened through suffering. Now, you notice the progression there? Suffering. Produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. So suffering is enduring hardship. Perseverance is enduring hardship over a lengthy period of time, which always feels too long, doesn't it? Character is that when you've learned to persevere, your character, your decision-making framework becomes mature and so you're not living for pleasure in the moment and you're willing to suffer and persevere for something that's better a month from now a year from now or in eternal life it takes maturity to have delayed gratification and then paul says you come to the other side of building godly character that's where your hope is strengthened Now, I want you to think for a moment about the things in your life that you would describe as suffering. Maybe you wouldn't call it suffering. Maybe you'd call it hardship. Depending on how bad the hardship is, you'd call it suffering. But each one of us has different things in our life right now that we wish were different, that maybe we've been struggling for months or years with. Painful situations. Say, how do you feel about those? Sometimes we feel like this guy. I mean, come on, really. When you suffer, don't you feel like this guy? Our prayer life reflects this, right? God, I don't get it. Why are you doing this to me? We feel like God just kicked a soccer ball and blasted us in the face. I thought you're a loving God. Why would you kick the soccer ball in my face? I'm seeking first the kingdom. God, why would you allow this soccer ball from my boss to come into my face? Yeah, we can relate to this picture. There's things I am confident you are going through right now that in your heart of hearts you feel just like that guy. Yeah, my pointless suffering. Like if you went to that guy afterwards and go, tell me the positive things that happened as a result of taking the soccer ball in the face. Well, if he was goalie, it doesn't look like a goalie jersey, he'd probably say, well, I stopped it from going in the net. Anyone else would be like, "Mm, can't think of anything positive. But too often, that's that's where we get stuck. We're going through hardship, and we lose only perspective except for this. Whatever it is we're going through is this soccer ball in our face, on our heart, in our life. And we're like, God, why would you let this happen? Yeah, you know, one of those miserable places to be is hopeless. You know, when you wake up in the morning and you feel like, I have no hope. You say nobody wants to live that way. We want hope, right? So we want God to give us hope, right? How do we want God to give us hope? We want to be able to go to bed at night and wake up and be hopeful. We just want God to, there, now you're full of hope. That's the way we want it. The only problem is it doesn't work that way. Well, how does it work? Verse 3 and 4 told us, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And God says, I thought you wanted to have hope. Yeah, but I don't want to suffer. You see, we have a choice, and our little choices add up. So, what happens when you suffer? Do you stay in it, or do you run away from it? You know, parents, let me throw in a free parenting lesson. It's okay for your kids to suffer. Sometimes at the parents' hands. <laughs> but parents, Romans three and four is true for young people as it is for old people. But you know what we do sometimes as parents? Oh, any suffering that my child does, we gotta fix. So you know what that means? I don't want you to learn to persevere. I don't want you to have character. I want you to be spineless. I want you to be a total quitter. Any hardship, that you just quit. You run the other way. You quit that job. You quit that relationship. You withdraw from that class. That's what I want you to be. You know what? No parent looks at their kids and says, that's what I want to raise then let them suffer. Ah, the sports coach yelled at them. Good. Who else treats them mean? I mean, really, our kids for the most part, everybody treats them nice, don't they? Pretty much everybody. Well, that's not the real world. What are they going to do when they go get a job and the boss is mean or unfair or gives a promotion to somebody who's less worthy? Well, if our kids have learned to suffer and to persevere and have character through that, they're going to come out the other side in a good place. So I'm getting sidetracked on parenting. But it's true for them. And it's true for us. And you have a choice in the progression. You can choose to persevere or not. Now, you know what I've also found in my experience with God? Is choosing not to persevere doesn't mean the suffering will end. Perseverance doesn't have anything to do with the suffering ending. It's just about how you handle the suffering that you're going through. And in that true in life, you can meet two people that went through the exact same thing, and one of them comes out the other side and is like, man, this is awesome. That was tough, but wow, that's great. You know, and the other is just like crushed and never makes it out. You say, what happened? It was the little choices that they made through that. You've got a choice. You've got to choose the righteous way. You see, character does not want the righteous way. It wants the shortcut. It wants the quick fix. Because having character is hard work. And it takes months and years of a whole bunch of little decisions to build character. But that's really hard. What's the quick answer? I want that one. No, you've got to choose a path of righteous. Righteousness, not the shortcut. Now, let me see if I can change your perspective a little bit. Now, if you look at perseverance like this guy, this is Brian Shaw. He's the world's strongest man. He deadlifted 1,140 pounds. That's pretty amazing. I mean, 1,140 pounds. Now, I'm sure that he had some genetic strength advantage. You know what? I wonder how many times did he have to deadlift 500 pounds before he got to 550? Before he got to 600? Before he got to 1,000. And then a world record. 1,140 pounds. You see, we're enamored with the finished product. And we see this picture and we go, That's awesome. You know, it's kind of like when Top Gun came out. Remember that movie? Awesome movie. Maverick and Iceman and all that. Do you know Navy recruiting went up like more than 15% after the release of that movie? I'm serious. You know why? Because everybody saw that and they go, I want to be a Navy pilot. I mean, we love the finished product. Yeah, but I don't want to have to train the way they train. I don't want to have to study the way they do. I don't want to have to do any of that. I just want to fly a jet. I got a question. Who of us would fly on an airplane with the pilot that went through no training but was just mega fired up? How about flying your jet? You get the point, right? How about surgery? Same thing. No, I'm just fired up to do surgery and you're my first one. We live in a society enamored with the finished product. But you gotta keep the goal in mind to suffer along the way. You see, if we don't have the opportunity to suffer, we will not grow to become like Jesus. It's the only way. This is about giving hope. God's like, I'm trying, I want you to be the finished product. I want you to be Jesus. How are you going to have that kind of hope? Well, you got to suffer. And then you got to persevere. And you've got to build godly character. And then your hope will be strong. You know, when you're little, you get freaked out by little things. Right? And you're all out of sorts. And somebody that's been through it for five decades goes, everything's going to be okay. And you're just like, wow, I wish I had that faith. You know how they got that faith? Is they've suffered and they persevered and they built character over decades. And so they their, their hope is strong. They go, it's going to be fine. But there's no shortcuts to get to the end product. See, I don't know what your goal is. I doubt it's to lift 1,141 pounds. But whatever your goal, how are you going to get there? Now, let's back up to Romans chapter 4 and move on to point 3. And here's point 3. God's ability is the key. Okay, we're verse 18. It says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, Had promised. I love this story. He said, what was it? What was the difference maker? He says, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Let me tell you right now. I'm confident I know the answer to this. Of why your faith fails. It's because a statement like this. I can't, I feel, I know, I tried, I want, I did. And yet none of those things have anything to do with God can. God will, God knows, God is able Say, what was the difference maker? It says, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. You see, what gets us into trouble is instead of looking at what God has the ability to do, we're thinking about what we have the ability to do. And here's the question that all of us need to answer. What do you believe God can do? And I'm not, I'm not asking for the right answer. I'm asking for your answer. Because there's the one you give at church. Oh, everything. Really, do you live like God can do everything? Do you act like God can do everything? Do you really believe God knows everything? Do you pray like it? Do you make requests of a God that can do anything? You see, God's ability is the key. What do we need to do? Here's what God wants us to do. Climb aboard. Now, this is a really cool story. Okay, so this dog fell off a boat in shark-infested waters. The boat kept going because they didn't realize they'd lost their dog. So dogs do what, you know, dogs want to do. And it started swimming in the ocean after the boat. Well, the sharks... See this dog and so the sharks start coming up to the dog and this uh dolphin went up and shooed the sharks away. And then the dolphin swam and the dog climbed on the dolphin. Kid you not? And the dolphin swam to the boat. It's true. It's on the internet. That's a fact. There's YouTube videos. It's pretty cool. But you know this dog's pretty fired up, right? You see that picture and you go, that's cool. Man, that dolphin's awesome. You know what too often? We're out there swim we're swimming with sharks. And we're like, oh, no, I'm overwhelmed. I'm freaked out. Oh, look at the sharks. Look at all the problems. And God's like, come on. Come on. I'm keeping the sharks away. Climb aboard. Nope. I'll just paddle more. I'm tired. You like that, Joy? <laughs> Joy liked me pat- dog paddling up here. She got a kick out of that. You know, it's so much easier to just climb aboard, Right? What are you doing? Are you paddling away with all your might? Swimming with the sharks? You climbed aboard. board. What? God. See, it's, it's about God's ability. You know, I bet all of a sudden this dog's, like, a little nervous and all that, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, this is pretty sweet. You know, you have that available too. But not if you think it depends on your ability. And the next time you think, I'm just going to work harder, you can think of that. That's what you're doing. And God's like, come on. Climb aboard. God's begging. But you got to make your choice. You know, some of us right now, we've been studying the Bible, and we see it, and there's, we're challenged, and we're like, oh man, it's overwhelming, I don't think I can do everything. And God's like, climb aboard. Some of us, there's, there's sin in our life, and we're afraid to be open, and we don't think we can change it, and we're just afraid that if we try, we might fail. And God's like, quit paddling, climb aboard. Maybe you been coming to church for weeks or months and you're like, I kind of like the finished product, but I'm afraid and I don't think I could live that way. And God's saying, climb aboard. You see, it's all about what God can do. And then the last point, suffer for someone else. Now in Romans 4 there, it says, and Abraham became... The father of many nations. His choice resulted in salvation for you and me. Isn't that amazing? That the choice Abraham made enabled him to become the father of many nations. So he was going through that hardship and he was challenged to, you know, to leave his home and go to a place and God didn't even tell him where. You go back and read the story in Genesis 12. It's an incredible story of faith. And he wrestled with his decisions and it was tough. But you know what was at stake? You and me. You know, when you're suffering just for yourself, you can get motivated to some degree. But when you believe somebody else is relying on your suffering, you can dig deeper. You can dig deeper. You can go a little longer. You can endure a little more. And I think about what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11. And he's talking about his life and the things that he's been through. And listen to what he says in verse 27. I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Paul says, it is a burden that he carried to care. You know, it's so much easier to not care about anyone. There's no obligation. There's no responsibility. You can see the most tragic situation and go, oh, well. And take nothing with you. Paul says, who's, who's weak and I don't feel weak? Who's led into sin and I don't, I don't inwardly burn? Suffering is required to care. Suffering is required to reach out, to mentor, to lead, to serve, to initiate. Why? Because your heart's at risk. So what's the challenge I leave each one of us? Carry someone. You know, I think about Larry and Debra and the decision they're making. They're, They're in their 50s. You know, you get in your 50s, you can start thinking, just want to settle down. You know, make sure everything's secure. You know what? They heard an announcement about a ministry going out to San Luis Obispo, and they're like, we need to do that. That's not what the world tells you to do. Sell your house at 50, relocate, get a new job, put your kids in a different school. Why? So you can preach the gospel up there. That's a lot of hassle. That costs a lot of money. But I I can tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of people in San Luis Obispo that are going to be helped because Larry and Deborah made that sacrifice. Oh, yeah, but you got to make the decision to carry somebody. Yeah, I'd like to uh, introduce our newest sister, Jennifer Martin. Where's Jennifer? I saw her. Where is she? There she is. Jennifer was baptized yesterday. There she is. There's a picture of Jennifer getting baptized. You know why? Because Sarah Cho carried her. reached out to her friendship for I think five years I don't know all the details I don't know if Jennifer made it really difficult on Sarah for four and a half years or if she was just a joy the whole time I don't know I wasn't in in the Bible studies but you know a five year relationship invested you know who's fired up about that oh Jennifer is you know who's fired up about that Sarah is, and God is. But you know what? you got to decide, I'm willing to carry somebody. Say, who will you carry? You made a decision to care when you brought items to give to the homeless shelter. You didn't have to. No one at the homeless shelter will ever know that you didn't give if you chose not to. But you made a decision to care. Why? Because it's going to make the difference in somebody else's life. Say, who are you going to be? You say, I'm too tired? Mm. You know what? When lives are at stake, you can dig deeper. So you have an opportunity. Say what opportunity. You know each one of those cards that you have for our our Christmas worship services. That's that's a decision to carry somebody. You say, well, I don't know what they'll do with the invitation. Neither do I. But it's a decision to care. You go. They may look at it, laugh at me. They might. But they might get their sins forgiven, and their marriage might change, and their family might change. You know why? Because you took a chance to carry. Say, who will you be? Sermon titles give hope. This room is full of hope givers. Yeah, you know what? You've given hope today. The sacrifice you made for hope worldwide for the items that you brought. But you know what? There's a lot of hope needed in the world we live. I say, who's who are they waiting for? You. Because you know when somebody's wounded, they're just lying on the battlefield. They need a healthy person to come and help them. And that's you. That's your chance. You know the good news? You don't have to be an expert. Because it doesn't depend on you, remember? God is able. We just get along for the ride. Say, but it's hard. Yeah, but you know what's going to happen? If you persevere and build that character, you're going to come out the other side, and you're going to be so confident, you're going to have so much more hope. Why? Because what God did through you. Let's embrace that suffering. Let's become hope givers. And bring the good news of Jesus to people in the Santa Clarita Valley. Let's be inspired. Let's learn from Paul. And let's put this into practice in our life. Let's stand. Actually, stay seated right now. I got all excited. Tim and Jen are going to come up at this time and give us some special announcements.